0: Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. In John 20 and verse 9, it says, For as yet they did not know, notice that, They did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then in Psalms 37 and verse 3, David, the prophet and the psalmist said, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. I want to preach a message today titled, Feed On. Will you say that with me? Feed on. Before I do, I'd like to pray. Father, we thank you that even before the foundation of the earth, Lord, you had planned the death and resurrection that you would bring us back to you. Despite our failures, despite our sin, God, I thank you for the sufficiency of your spirit that brings new life, that creates new hearts, that gives us the opportunity and the availability for a new start today. I partner and surrender to you, Holy Spirit, that you would make much of Jesus, that you would spotlight Jesus, that you would glorify Jesus, that you would reveal Jesus. Where we exist for that purpose, and we thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, with technology increasing and the field of science and medicine increasing, we live in the days of supplements. I mean, have you ever went in a supplement store? I mean, you thought there was a lot of choices on the grocery aisle. I'm talking about there is so many choices of vitamins today. Everybody's got a new vitamin, a new product, a new wonderful, you know, claim. And it is just amazing of how many options are. These are some that I found just this morning in our own uh, cupboard. <laughs> I like calling it a cupboard. It makes me feel, you know, old. But, but my wife, occasionally she'll come home with a new one. And uh, it' just the, the bottle would just sit there. We'll forget to take them and because I'm you know a financial sort of conscience, I'll just be in there eating them just so they don't go to waste. I haven't even read the labels and you got to be careful because some of them are just for women and uh, the, some of them are just for children you know but but we live in this day where there's all kinds of supplements and vitamins and things like that And when I think about that, I think about This statement, what if I told you today that there was something you could eat that would turn the worst days into the best days? See, on Resurrection Sunday, when we look at this story of of the gospel, of the crucifixion and the death and the burial and the resurrection, of Jesus Christ. We find in this story that those who have been following Jesus during the days that He's on the earth were having some of their worst days. Their hope has been shattered. The expectation for the kingdom and that the one they were clinging to being the Messiah has seemingly vanished due to a Roman cross. They are in a fog of unbelief. They are in a haze of what has happened. And the women come on this early Sunday morning to the tomb. In Dr. Luke's account in Luke 24 and verse 6, they come and... These women have this encounter. There's an angel that says, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spoke to you? Remember how He spoke to you when He was still in Galilee saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified. And the third day rise again. Look at this, verse 8. And they remembered His words. They remembered His words. That's a key phrase for us. They remembered His words. It makes me ask us this morning, how will we remember His words? How will I remember His words? How will you remember His words? And I'm not just talking about how we will remember His words on the normal days of life and how we will remember His words on the mundane days of life, but how will we remember also on the difficult days? Not just on the good days, how will we remember His words, but what about remembering on the bad days of life? See, I have found, and I believe the presentation of this story presents to us that remembering His words is vital when we are thrown off balance. That when we are altered in any way, We need to remember His words. Come on, let's enter into this story for a moment. Those here in this passage have been for days preparing spices. They've been preparing fragrant oils for Jesus' body that to their knowledge still lies in a tomb only then to find on that early Sunday morning that there was nobody. You want to talk about an altering experience? You want to talk about something that will throw you off balance? What about those times when we thought we were to prepare something and we were wrong? What about those times that we are giving our energy and our hands to something and then we find out that, oh my gosh, it has changed? You talk about throwing us off balance. Listen, here are these women, and they're carrying something that wasn't needed. They're they're carrying weight that it was okay to be discarded. Have you ever been there where you thought you had to carry a weight and and you needed to continue to carry it only to find out that something has happened where you no longer need to carry it? You want to talk about a life-altering experience? This is what the women are experiencing in that early morning. And I have found that in such moments remembering is vital when we are disappointed. I wonder their initial response because they had been given all of this time to preparing spices and preparing oils and they're given to to this because they want to honor Jesus and then all of a sudden they realize it's not needed. See, I found at times at that moment and that Throwing me off balance overshadows the fact that He's risen. (laughs) See, remembering is important when we are hurt. Remembering is important when we're in a new season and a new experience. Remembering His words are important when we're greatly perplexed. Remembering, they remembered His words. Listen, remembering also that it's wise to feed on His words when we find ourselves in such moments. That when things seem to fall apart, remembering His words begins the reassembling of things. And they remembered His Words, Roman numeral one. We're in such moments of life. We're to feed on His words. There in the Scripture, John twenty and verse nine. It says, "For as yet they did not know, they did not yet understand the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead." The context is is that they're there at the empty tomb. Their expectation is altered. What they had been preparing for has thrown them off balance. It's no longer needed. They have this weight that they thought they needed to carry, and, and it's not needed. And they're looking at this empty tomb, and they're looking at the stone rolled away, and they do not yet know the Scripture. John highlights this in his gospel so much that, He wants to make sure we don't miss it. Like in John chapter 2 and verse 21, John says that Jesus was talking about His body being a temple. And John puts a little side note in as he recounts this moment in this story. He says, but He, Jesus, was speaking of the temple of His body. Therefore, when He had risen from the dead, His disciples remembered that He had said this to them. Meaning in the moment when Jesus spoke these words to them, it didn't have revelation. They didn't have an understanding. They didn't know the impact of what he was telling them. But when he rose from the dead, they then remembered his words. And then they believed. Meaning then they now know what the scripture or what he said actually meant. See, I have found personally that going through things is no guarantee for changing. That we can go through seasons, we can go through circumstances, and it's no guarantee that we change. Mm -hmm. That we actually, in order to experience life change, we have to remember His words when we are having an altering experience. It's in the moment of being off balance. It's in the moment of being perplexed. It's in the moment of being disappointed. It's in those moments of remembering His words that determines whether we experience true life change. Remembering His words in such a way until we actually have revelation knowledge and spiritual understanding of those words in Scripture. See, listen to me. Heard before is not the same as done before, heard before is not the same as experienced before, read before is not the same as applied correctly before. Here we see in this story that Jesus had said some things to them. They had received some scripture, and yet they did not understand or understand the application or the experience of what it was that He had said. This brings up the question of spiritual disciplines. Are spiritual disciplines important? Yes, and here's why. When we feed on the Word of God in Scripture habitually, consistently as a habit, it helps position us tremendously to remember in such perplexing, disappointing, hurtful, confusing, life-altering experiences. It's the spiritual disciplines and habitually giving ourselves to reading what God has communicated in Scripture that helps us be in a posture and a position to remember what God has already done for us in Christ, what God has already communicated for us through Christ. So I have to ask you and I this morning, Is reading Scripture a habit of yours yet? Is feeding on what God has already said a habit of yours? See, I have found that remembering is not just important at all times of life, but even remembering on our worst day. And what becomes so vital for you and I to remember on our worst day is that Jesus is with us even on our worst day. When I looked at the story of the cross and the death and the resurrection this year, this is what stood out to me. This is what exploded in my heart for us as a community. That this story tells us the importance of remembering that even on our worst day, Jesus is with us. Let's look at it. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 32, as Dr. Luke writes about these moments, he says, there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals on the right hand, on the other on the left, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasting him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself. Watch this, though. And us. (laughs) That's that's an interesting note. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. See, when I read this, I see two men who is experiencing their worst day in life. their worst day of life is happening they're finally receiving the end of their life of sin and what justly they deserve and their life is about to be extinguished they're being crucified all that they've known is being taken it's their worst day. But yet on their worst day, we find that Jesus is right there with them. That God the Father has allowed the cross and allowed this story to, to speak to us that even on our worst day, the gospel story shows us that Jesus is right there with us. You look at the difference of the the two, what the Scripture calls criminals. We see one fail to remember, fail to really be conscientious, fail to really understand that Jesus, the King, is with Him on His worst day. That God hasn't removed himself from being involved in this criminal's life on his worst day. No, God through Jesus has has revealed that God is right there with him and concerned about him and still seeking him even on his worst day. But the one criminal is not remembering that fact. And here's the application for us. When we fail to remember on our worst day, listen, doubt is empowered. When I fail to remember that Jesus is with me on my worst day, doubt is empowered. Look at the one criminal. See the doubt being empowered that he begins to blaspheme Jesus. He begins to get angry at Jesus. And then what it applies for you and I today is when we fail to remember on our worst day, Becoming angry at God becomes easy. When I fail to remember that on my worst day, that Jesus is right there with me, blaming God, accusing God, getting mad at God, saying, you've forsaken me, becomes easy. When we fail to remember on our worst day, blaming and attacking others becomes our activity. But then we had this other criminal. Somehow, in the moment, he's able to be conscious. He's able to remember, and, and he's able to be aware that, yes, it's his worst day, and, yes, he's in pain, and, and, yes, he is being crucified. But God has not left him in his pain. God has not forsaken him in his sin and wrongdoing. God is revealing that he's there with him through the person of Jesus. The other criminal, he's an example of what to remember on our worst day. And he remembers that Jesus has done nothing wrong, but that he had done wrong in his life. On our worst days, it's very important to remember that Jesus has never done wrong. But we have in our life. This is applicable for me. This is applicable for you, for us, because we need to remember that some of our bad days, if not many of our bad days, listen, are because we are bad. These criminals are having bad days, but the reason they're having a bad day is because they are bad. See, I'm not innocent in the story of my life. Many of my hardships, many of my worst days are because... I am bad. I have sinned. I have failed. I have rebelled against God, my Creator. I find it important remembering that if we were on the cross, we would get off if we could. But but watch this. We need to in that moment remember Jesus could get off, but He chose not to on our behalf. What a difference. Remembering that He is with us in our bad day. You also see this criminal is able to come to remember that this day, his worst day, is connected to what Scripture calls that day. That this bad day the criminal is happening is actually connected to what Scripture calls that day, a day that would be his best day. A day of being in paradise. A day when all his wrongs have been reconciled. All his pain is gone. That day for the criminal is that he was going to be with Jesus in paradise. That day for us One of those days is when we stand before the Lord in glory and give account of our life of following Him. Meaning we have to remember even on our worst day that choices still matter. The choice that that criminal made on his worst day led and became a pathway to the best day, him being in paradise. What we do this day is connected to and affects what we will experience on that day, whatever that day is for you and I. Meaning, future good days of our life are connected to even our current bad days. They're a part of the story of how God weaves and leads us to better days that the days that hurt and the days of questions and the days were perplexed, they're all connected to that day, a day where we experience resurrection and new life and a better day and a better experience and a better understanding of Jesus and the Father and His Word and revelation. We also learn that it's never too late to start feeding on Jesus. Jesus. Here's the criminal on the worst day, he's suffering and he's about to die and yet though it's his last day, it's not too late to start feeding on Jesus. It's not too late to start looking to Jesus, friend. It's not too late to start feeding on his words. It's not too late today to start feeding on who he is. It's not too late because the Scripture is clear. Today is the day of salvation. The one criminal remembering that Jesus was there with him on his worst day led to Jesus assuring him that he would be remembered on Jesus' best day. And The one criminal who now has confirmation he's going to be with Jesus on his best day, what does he do as the seconds continue to go by, but yet the pain hasn't lifted? And he's waiting for this promise that he's going to be with Jesus outside of this pain and outside of this cross, but it hasn't happened yet, and he's there on the cross, and what is he doing in the moment? Listen, he's feeding on the words of Jesus. Until what Jesus has told him becomes his experience. Until what Jesus has told him, he actually knows it experientially. He's there on the cross, but he's feeding on the words of Jesus. He's feeding that, yes, what I'm going through is difficult, but it's leading to better days. I want to tell us that in tough places of life, because Jesus is with us, feed is still available. Yeah. Amen. I want to tell us that in tough places of life, because Jesus is actually with us, that feed, sustenance is still available. I think about David, who makes this statement in Psalms 37. It's one of my favorite psalms. It's an amazing psalm to me. But in Psalms 37 and 3, he says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Now listen, that's great instruction, friend. That's great instruction on any day, and it's even great instruction for our worst days. But it makes me ask, is David just saying the common Christian cliché? Is David just throwing out the one-liner, the easy statement? Or does David actually have revelation of what he's saying? Does David actually have the substance of what it is he's saying? And we know that he does. Because I think about a story in 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1. Read it with me. It says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. David's been on the run for his life. He's got a king who's who's jealous, and and David's been anointed for future king, and David's been running and hiding out, and it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept, watch this, until they had no more power, they had no more capacity to weep. And David's two wives had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. His God, David said to the priest, Please bring me the ephod here to me. Nabothar brought the ephod to David. Oh my goodness. Here's David probably on his worst day. His family has been taken. The families of his men, his soldiers have been taken. The city has been burned. He really don't know what's happened with his wives. He knows they weren't killed right there in the city, but he doesn't know if they're still alive. He's perplexed. There's all kinds of questions that are still unanswered. and Here he is on his worst day, but you know what he did? He fed on God's Word. And he fed on the Lord's faithfulness. He did just like what he penned in Psalm 37. He trusted in the Lord. He fed on his faithfulness and David was strengthened. No doubt David was disappointed. No doubt David was hurt. No doubt David was experiencing something that he had never experienced before. But David had grown to a place to be able to remember that even on his worst day, he could still trust the Lord and feed on God's Word, that one day he would not be having to dwell in caves, that one day he would be king and experience what God had spoken to him, and therefore he was strengthened. Now listen to me we don't get to that place of remembering on our worst days overnight but david had been through enough things experientially in the lord that he had a lion and a bear and he had this jealous person and he had spear thrown at him and he had this and that and he's seen the Lord's faithfulness. So he was able in that moment to remember that though I am perplexed and though I am hurting and though I want to despair, I have some feed provided for me. That there is still the faithfulness of God. That there still is the Word of God. And even if anybody else won't feed me, I can go and strengthen myself in the Lord because His feed has been provided. Hallelujah. David's greatly perplexed, so he asks for the ephod to seek the Lord's instruction for what he's facing. What about you and I? How will we put ourselves in a posture in a position to grow to a place that even on our worst days we remember that we don't serve a God that abandons us on our worst days even if the worst day is because of our mistakes. He is right there through the person of Jesus with us on the worst day just like He was with the criminals on their worst day on the cross. It's amazing because it it wasn't that Jesus was like down at the foot of the criminal's cross looking up at them on their worst day. No, no, no. He was right there in the same experience that the criminals were. And He's right here and right with you in this moment. We can feed on His words. And then secondly, like David, we can feed on His faithfulness. When our trials require trust, we can feed on His faithfulness. When our way becomes hard and painful, we can still find power available to do good. Jesus is there on the cross and He's able to remember that there's still power available from the Father to do good. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When it's easy to get distracted by the evil around us, we can still dwell in the land of where God has called us. That when we are brought to altars and crossroads and crosses, listen, we can feed on His faithfulness. On our worst days, we can feed on His faithfulness. And listen, they can become the way to something so much better. They can become the way towards better days. The cross is the picture of this seemingly paradox Of how bad days and worse days can become a way to better days. You're standing looking at the cross and Jesus is there and we're asking ourselves, this is the way? This is the way to better days? This is the way to love life and see better days as Peter quotes from Psalms in his epistle? This is the way to better days? Yes, and that's why David in Psalms 37 and 5, after he says, Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness, he says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. This is the way to bring it to pass. This cross is the way, Lord. This. Bad day is the way to experience a better day of your righteousness being revealed through me and your will for my life coming to pass. The cross is the way. David says, yes, yes, yes. I fed on His word and I fed on His faithfulness. This is the way. Trust Him. Commit your way to Him. He shall bring it to pass. He'll bring forth out of it better days. Feed on his faithfulness there on that cross. Feed on his faithfulness there at that crossroad. Feed on his faithfulness there at that altar. Feed on his faithfulness. David makes this phrase. Listen, David was the grandson of Obed. And Obed was the son of Boaz and Ruth. Let me put it this way. David's father was Jesse. Jesse's father was Obed. And Obed's father was Boaz, and Obed's mother was Ruth. Listen, David is a man, of course, who's 100% sure of his earthly lineage. As any good Jewish boy would be in the days that David grew up. We can know certainly that David knows the story of Ruth. He knows the story of his great-grandmother. He has heard it told to him time after time. Now, when you look to the book of Ruth, you find some amazing, interesting things. One, you find there was a famine, but there was still the Lord's faithfulness to feed on. You find that there was a crossroad and a choice to go back to previous places and previous people and previous gods and previous ways, but there was a faithful relationship provided to feed on the Lord's faithfulness. In Ruth... You have Naomi goes with her husband from Bethlehem to Moab because there's a famine. They feed on the Lord's faithfulness there, and they have two sons, and the two sons get married. And as they're there, Naomi's husband dies. Not just the husband, then Naomi's two sons die. Now Naomi's left with just her two daughters-in-law. The one daughter-in-law leaves and goes back to her people, the old ways, old culture, old people, old gods. Now Ruth is faced with a choice. In Ruth 1 and 15, look at what Naomi tells Ruth. says, look, your sister-in-law's gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go, she stopped speaking to her. She follows now Naomi back to Naomi's homeland. There's a man named Boaz who's very influential, and he's watching Ruth. And here's how he interprets Ruth's experience in Ruth 2 and verse 11, as the band comes. It has been fully reported to me. All that you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. Watch this, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Ruth has followed Naomi. She has dwelled where Naomi has chosen to dwell. She has went where Naomi has went. She has done good for her mother-in-law. And now, like David, she is experiencing what David said, that God would bring it to pass, that better days would come. I can imagine Ruth saying, there's no way better days should come. My husband is dead. My brother-in-law has died. My father-in-law has died. My one sister-in-law has left. And yet Boaz sees that what Ruth has been through is the process for her to come under the wings and refuge of God. You find in Ruth where following fast leads to refuge under the shadow of God's wings. You find in Ruth's story where following fast leads to God's supernatural provisions. You read in Ruth's story where following fast leads to redemption. Life coming out of death. Where following fast leads to purpose. It didn't look like the way. But in Ruth's story, her holding fast to following Naomi brought her to her Boaz. Boaz. Brought her to her redemption. Brought her to her divine provision. Brought her to her purpose. Brought her to a better future than her worst day. This is where following fast leads to fulfillment of more than she could ever expect or imagine. For Ruth, it was a new marriage. And out of that new marriage was a child. For Ruth is she began to have a larger purpose in God's redemptive story. She's not a part of the lineage of Christ being revealed on the earth. Listen to me, this provides a beautiful type for us. A type is a representation of something of substance we can now find in Jesus. That Ruth, on one of her worst days of her life, she chose to go where Naomi would go. She chose to lodge where Naomi would lodge. She chose to be a part of Naomi's people. She chose to have Naomi's God as her God. This is an example or type of how we are to be with Jesus. That on our worst day, will we still choose to follow Jesus? Will we still on our worst day choose to allow Jesus' people to be our people? That the church of Jesus is still our church? That Jesus is God. God the Father will still be your God and Father. That wherever Jesus goes, we'll go. That even when Jesus goes to the cross, we'll go with Him to the cross. That even where Jesus dies, we will die. That even where Jesus is buried, we will be buried. This is the choice, friends. Are you determined to go and follow Jesus through the way of death and burial? We are like those disciples that John mentioned who at first don't understand. At first we think this is the way? The cross and death and burial? And David says, yes, yes, yes. yes. I fed on His word. I fed on His faithfulness. This is the way. This is the way. Commit yourself to Him. I love how the text makes it clear that when she saw she was determined to go with her she stopped speaking you know why we have to speak to so many people and teach so many people and keep preaching to so many people it's because they're not yet determined and surrendered that wherever Jesus goes I'll go if Jesus plants himself and tells me to plant himself here I'm not leaving here regardless if Jesus tells me this is the cross I'm to bear then I'm not leaving here I will go where Jesus is going. I will be where Jesus wants me to be Ruth falling fast has led to the fulfillment of more than she could ever ask, expect, or imagine. Listen to me. This is resurrection. This is resurrection. It is Jesus who gets us to the resurrection. Resurrection is more than we could ever ask, imagine, or expect. And I don't know what all resurrection could lead to in your life, but I know that often what we don't first understand can become the way to resurrection and fulfillment. If we'll feed on His words, if we'll feed on His faithfulness, if we'll remember He's with us, that cross has become the way to resurrection. That outstretched arms of Jesus on the cross actually somehow becomes the feathers of God's faithfulness and provision, protection and purpose to us. That the cross that doesn't look like at first glance or even six glances to be a way to the better days and the better way that God has for us, it becomes the way. That altars becomes the way to resurrection. That's your worst day because Jesus is with you can be turned into getting to your best day. That what doesn't seem possible becomes possible when we feed on Him. The worst days can be the way to the best days when we feed on His Word, feed on His faithfulness. Listen to me. Until we understand. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, you know, I know a lot of Scripture. Heard a lot. No, no, I'm talking about until you know experientially what we're talking about. See, listen. Remembering to eat is natural. For me to remember to eat later today, that's natural. Naturally, I will be able to remember. God's designed my body to work that way. Yours too. I see it in your eyes. But listen to me. Remembering Jesus is with you on your worst day and feeding on His words and His faithfulness is not natural for any of us. Listen, it takes practice. And you know what I found as a sports person? Observer like most people don't practice alone. That's why there always has been from the very first Sunday morning on the day of resurrection, a group of followers of Jesus gathering locally all across the globe, because we don't practice good alone and the church and the community and His body is the place to start practicing so that even on our worst day, we're able to remember that there is still food on the altar because of the cross. God still has provision and purpose and even on our worst days, Jesus is with us and if we'll remember and trust Him, He can take our worst days and use it to get us to experience the best days and days of resurrection for us. I wish some people that knew the reality of what I'm talking that crosses and altars become the way to resurrection would stand to your feet would begin to thank the Lord would begin to praise Him would begin to thank Him would begin to say, Lord, I'm going to trust You Hallelujah, let's go out of here worshiping Him Thank you so much for listening to this week's message If you would like more information about our church be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org